Good day everyone, this is Catherine and I am dealing with, today we're dealing with mission and purpose. I'm not sure if I've done this before, but if you have um, come across the video before, maybe this would be a good reminder of what it means to be on purpose or on mission. To find purpose and meaning in life sometimes being sacrifice. A purpose is many times born of a suffering um, out of the scars are born the beauty marks or the marks of a war that you have won. And that in itself is a reason for you to uplift others who may be trying to navigate the same battles that you have won. Now purpose sometimes means sacrifice. In fact, I would say all the time. Jesus himself said in regards to your purpose as a Christian that you should carry your own cross and follow him, meaning that you will go through your trials, your tribulations, your suffering, and your times of acute need. And yet he still requires you to remain obedient, still requires you to remain steadfast and loving toward him which means obeying him even in difficult or trying times so whatever it is that you're carrying is not a justification to walk away from christ or walk away from god so you carry all that you still are struggling with as you are and follow him it's also a reprieve because it shows that christ can handle it and you can still get um, out of your depression or out of your issues whilst you're following him. And sometimes there's some things you never will get out of, even as a Christian. And that is in reference to the thorn in the flesh that Paul talked about. There's some things that are there to keep you balanced or keep you humble. It may seem unfair, but for some people, you need that to keep you grounded so that you don't become too haughty in order that you would accomplish your mission or your purpose. Now, a mission can be short term and it can also feed into your purpose. I've said before that a purpose is seen in hindsight. And most of the times, a purpose is huge. It is bigger than you can even comprehend. And you only look back to see that that was the purpose of your life after you have gone through a couple of ups and downs. But even in the process, it's important that we take a step back and ask ourselves if we don't know what is my purpose. Because everything, great or small, has a reason for happening. So you don't want to just assume that this is the normal way that life goes. That depression, that divorce, that trauma wasn't just an occurrence. It meant something. It meant that you should overcome it or be able to overcome it. Or maybe even that somebody else will learn from your story when you share it. And the problem with us sometimes, especially African cultures, we only want to share something when I have the victory. Sometimes it's even more awe-inspiring when you're in the process because 
people need to understand process. It's like those, I was joking one day uh, with a cousin of mine and we were saying how when reporters report in the media about businesses that have flourished or done well, it's like I had this idea and then bam, suddenly I had 2,000 customers and that's not how it happens. And then I, I got this uh, big grant or you know, investment, it doesn't happen that way. There's a process and you need to acknowledge the process of growth even while you are suffering, even whilst you don't understand it fully. So mission might be easier to get because we normally are very conscious of a mission. You want to feed the homeless, you want to house and shelter them, you want to do a, a free kitchen, um, you know, a soup kitchen, you know, usually missions are goal-oriented and we come up with them. We say we want to take trucks of maize to Turkana or wherever that is famished. You know, or we want to work with an aid organization so that we are able to position ourselves for some community thing. Or you want to innovate a product so that it can help people. Like this boy who um, innovated an um, an arm, a prosthetic arm that could that even the fingers could function, and he didn't even patent it, and he didn't even sell the code or whatever. So there are things we got on a mission to achieve, but usually for the purpose, you only look back years and years, probably when you're old and graying to understand this is my purpose. Because when you think you get it, you don't. I can almost guarantee you that. Even when you think you have finally grasped it, you haven't. So God has to either download it to you and even he won't tell you the whole story because you can't handle it. You honestly won't be able to handle it. And if Joseph, look at Joseph. Joseph finally figured out his purpose when his brothers are standing in front of him and they don't even recognize him and they're the ones that threw him in a pit and sold him to some traders who are going to Egypt, a faraway country. It wasn't even like a place they could just go overnight and visit him, you know? So at that point is when it clicked. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It's the same case with us. Sometimes it will, it will click when, you know, occurrences have already occurred. Things have happened. It's been one stage of growth after another. And then it's like there's an aha moment. Also, this is why... I had to go through why I had to go through this. And Joseph saw in a dream his uh, his father and I believe his mother and the brothers bowing to him. But he couldn't have fathomed the process it would take. And maybe even he wondered how that dream would ever happen, you know. And, and maybe he had those conversations with God, I don't know, in the prison. Uh, and maybe God even explained to him a few things. But... I believe that it was even a shock to him to get to be second in command just for interpreting a dream. I don't think he saw that coming. And even for us, we may not see it coming like I have planned this or I had foreseen it and now I know my purpose is going to turn out this way. Even if you have an idea, the process will remain hidden. So the important thing is to stay the course Trusting God, not what you see or what you're going through. Trusting God. Even a good season can be deceiving because it could be propping you for a negative season or it could be propping you for you to buffer a downturn of events. 
So Jesus said, carry your cross and follow me. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you, this is uh, Luke 9.23, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up. That's the key word, give up. A lot of times purpose allows us to give up. And I'm saying allow because the things that we need to give up are mostly dead. They need to go anyway. Um, they are dead weights. So like for Joseph, he didn't need his brothers in his process. They would have derailed him anyway. He'd have had to stay in his home country. And that's not where his purpose would have panned out. Um, same with David. He had to be in trouble with Saul for years. Saul chasing him down. I mean, constantly pursuing him. And that's where his character and his relationship with God matured. And we are also going to be required to daily take up our cross. It's going to be something that we are going to suffer, yet it will build us at the same time uh, and build us especially towards our destiny or calling or purpose or mission, however you want to look at it. Luke 9.23 in LLT, NLT, finding purpose and meaning in life requires a trade-off. That's very important. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, this is Jesus saying that if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Matthew 16 and 25. This is the trade-off that a lot of famous people never tell you about. The story of what they lost. Even the greats of religion, the Catherine Coleman's, the, the great... The greats in religion, in arts, in science, in even celebrities that you look up to. Those people have had to lose something. Sometimes it's even family. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's worse than that. And it's relationships they deeply care about. So there will be a trade-off and there is no doubt about that. And Jesus warned us about it. We must learn to surrender. We will just have to surrender. There is absolutely no other choice. So today, give it up. Whatever it is that it, it costs, just know that it will cost and that's it. We, you, don't, you don't have both the luxury of retaining your life in quotes and heading towards your purpose. It's not going to be comfortable. So we must lose something to gain something. And in the case of Christians, we lose our life in order to gain eternal life, like the true life that Jesus has called us to live, which is by no means anything compared to what our earthly life is, I mean, our earthly life is nothing compared to the eternal life. The eternity of our life is infinite. It is glorious. It is encompassed by God himself. It is, in essence, the purest form of life that you can have because it comes from a pure place, an unadulterated place, a place where God himself inhabits where all things are ordered and it doesn't mean that you will not feel confused sometimes but 
if we let go of ourselves, God permeates into that life, into our eternity, into our eternal life, which is the life that he commands because he cannot permeate your worldly life unless you give that up in order to walk into your eternal life. So it says here that Yeshua or Jesus for all the trials and tribulations before him set his face like flint towards Jerusalem towards his death. Now it is only when you understand your purpose or mission or calling that you can be firm about heading towards your own suffering. Because as they say, if you cannot die for something, you're not ready to live for something or you're not ready to live for it until you are ready to die for it. And Jesus was ready to live for the purposes of us, the whole world, every person, every being that ever existed since then when he died up until now for them to experience the eternal love of God and therefore have a transformed life in him. He was willing to give up his own life because he understood the benefit and the bigger purpose or the scale of benefit that far outweighed the cost. Although it was still a big price to pay, it was love that conquered it all. So it is also with your purpose, your mission. If it is not driven by love, it is going to be frail and it is going to be short-lived and extremely weak in terms of impact. We need to go ahead with what we need to do, empowered by the love of God. And that love does not seek after itself. It is not proud. It is not boastful. It does not remember wrong. It focuses itself on what needs to be done. I mean, Jesus would have said, after those Pharisees treated me the way they treated me, I am dying for them because by dying, he was dying for everyone, the sinner, his disciples, every one of us who, who even thinks that we are right with God, everyone who was extremely negative towards him or treated him badly, or even the soldiers who beat him, he actually died for them too. And yet, he wasn't thinking about that. He wasn't thinking about how they treated him on that cross. At that point, he was actually saying, it is finished, I've done my part. And he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And that will be our story as well. If you're driven or compelled by love, the love of Christ which compels us to do certain things, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to give, to pray for our enemy, to turn the other cheek. That will be the best ground to sow our purpose in because if it is not in that kind of soil that is loose and not rigid, that gives and not takes, that is willing to guide others and not to derail them, that shepherds rather than scatters, that ground, if it isn't malleable, it is not shapeable by God, it is not um, fallow or, or rather it isn't tameable, teachable, 
then we are not going to be able to fulfill our purpose in full. There will always be obstacles and hindrances because the purposes of God require a selflessness. If you look at anybody that was used by God, even if they were just used to fight a battle, like the men, the mighty men of valor, of David, they just needed to be skilled at what they did, whether it was throwing a javelin or slinging a shot that could cut even a hair's breadth, that accuracy of a hair's breadth. Whatever skill, whether it was writing for the scribes, whether it was singing for the worshippers, they needed to do it out of the love of God first and then love of other men. If the two are not there, there's a high chance that you'll derail at some point because of the strains, because of the bitterness and the rage you will you will encounter from some people just pure vitriol. You'll encounter from others just hatred. They don't even know why they hate you. They don't even know you. Things will become difficult. Economies will be difficult. The climate will change. There will be certain circumstances, even if it's a business, the business climate can change. Suddenly things are not as easy as they would have, as you would have wanted them to be so that you can do your work. It won't be a smooth ride. And yet the fact that you remain even in the storm, the fact that you remain steadfast even in the storm is what qualifies you as a victor in the end. So it says um, in that scripture, I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. So you understand first that for Jesus... Um, it was his relationship with God that anchored him. That was Isaiah 50 verse 6 to 7. If it weren't for his relationship with God, he wouldn't have gone through. Even if he was a son of God, he still was fully human. And he needed to be anchored by that love relationship that he had with God in order to fulfill his purpose on earth. And then he also needed to have the compassion of God from having the heart of God himself, whereby he would actually empathize and understand even the sinner's actions and then be able to say, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. But forgive them for they do not know what they're doing came as a result of him yielding to God on the cross, even up to the cross itself. If he was bitter, or angry on that cross, it wouldn't have been an acceptable sacrifice. He had to yield himself to the cruelty of that cross and willingly, willingly, willingly. In Hebrews 12, to, to surrender our lives like we must, like this, we must endure. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, 
disregarding its shame now he is seated in the place of honor beside god's throne after all you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin unto death i believe it goes on to say you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin you know it's easy for us to think you know i've given up so much god you know i've had it i have done i have done a i'm the one who supported my siblings and the one who built my parents a house and then i'm the same one who now has to deal with all this drama at the workplace you know i'm being forced to do so much but it says here you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin even when we are struggling with sin and the sin here could be rebelling from god's calling from his purposes for you walking away throwing in the towel that is rebelling that is absconding if it was a workplace they'd call it absconding that is like you know in an army it's like walking away from from your duty from your call of duty which is worse than being an enemy it's like you know you've deserted the army so even our lives as we live a life that seeks to glorify god we haven't yet struggled against sin to the point where we die therefore our struggles will mostly be against sin and sin is what will derail us from our purposes not so much the externalities but the things that we choose to do with our own mind and consciousness so we must keep ourselves pure and holy and blameless before god so that we can live a life that is pleasing to him then we can live out our purpose or calling our destiny to the fullest if your own house is not clean you cannot go out to clean somebody else's house and mostly destinies callings missions have to do with others but you first have to clean up your own mess at home and the home here the house i'm referring to is your own self your will your emotions your psycho um your psychology i mean your mind and then your body and your spirit they have to be aligned and attuned with god so that he can have full reign and use you remember you need to be useful and you need to be malleable and shapeable teachable so that was hebrews 12:2 and 4 it tells us that jesus endured because of the joy awaiting him he saw beyond the cross and even us we need to see beyond the struggle we need to see it's like a parent when a baby is being born there is a lot of struggle for the mother but she sees beyond that and you know carries the baby to term if it wasn't for the fact that there's something greater coming what would be the motivation then hardly any right so we do this we keep ourselves surrendered and keep by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him he endured the cross disregarding its shame there will be shameful moments oh yes there will be people who are trying to drag drag your name through the dirt trying to accuse you of things trying to make you look bad but all this can be disregarded if we see the end result on the other side of this struggle and hopefully 
This will be through the revelation of God because God needs to see, to show you. You need to see for yourself through God's eyes. Why do you need to endure what you are enduring? Right? Otherwise, it will be hard. We must also keep our eyes on the goal and not entertain fear. As Mordecai told Hadassah, when the Jewish people faced a massacre, he said in Esther 4.14, If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Many of us are in a season and a moment that is for just a time as this. The conditions have been established for you to flourish in a time like this. Therefore, we must recognize the season that we're in as a season to thrive and not to win, a season to rise and not to fade off, a season where you are being displayed and not to stay back in the background. There are seasons that are well, they are articulated or they are set up on the motion. They are set in motion specifically for you to take your position in your purpose. And that was this was Esther's whole purpose. To be in that palace was a miracle in itself. Because she was Jewish, she was an orphan. The odds were against her on so many levels. Nonetheless, she not only made it there, but she stayed there and she stayed there also by pure sheer grace of God because that king would have raised that uh, may have not raised that scepter to allow her to speak when she went on a fast it also called on God's grace so that she was allowed to speak and say how her people were about to be killed and destroyed and utterly annihilated by Haman and Mordecai was her destiny helper at that point and told her, look, if you don't do this, God can actually raise somebody from somewhere else and it will still work out just fine. But this was her moment and she needed to grab it. All fear put in consideration, but she had to overcome it regardless of what she was undergoing in her emotions, in her mind. At the very end, her spirit had to rise up and take charge. In that moment of decision, she had to rise up to her greater self, her bigger self, to a higher calling than just remaining comfortable. It is said of David that he fulfilled his purposes in his generation. A lot of what we need to do are to do with a specific generation, a specific timeline, a specific space, that is open for us to really thrive. And usually that is a time all the odds seem against us. Like it is not a, a, a very, it's not easy to join the dots and connect the dots and see that this A will lead to B, will lead to C. But God will put you in position where by faith you will accomplish your purpose purely by faith. There are two great days in a person's life. The day we are born and the day we discover why. That was William Barclay who said that. God will equip you for his service if you first move towards what he has instructed you. He has already provided all you need for life and godliness. 
He also has a plan for us and promises to be with us. A scripture in 2 Peter 1, 3-4 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power is what has given us everything. We need his power, not our acclaim, not our reputation, not our material wealth, not who we know, our connections or where we grew up or where we live. It is his divine power. So you must seek that. You need to seek him and then he can give you his power. You need to seek him and his power and enablement. So you're able then to live a godly life through knowledge of him, through knowledge of him, not any other knowledge, through God's knowledge who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, a lot of times your nature is going to have to metamorphosize or transform to a more spirit-led being in order to undergo what it requires to undergo through the fire for you to actually become great in your calling, in your purpose. Look at Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, that man was imprisoned. He was writing letters from, uh, I think it was Montgomery. Where he was at that point, if the overwhelming love for the people he was fighting for did not prevail, if he did not appeal to the strength from the divine power of God, if he did not appeal to God himself and see that he had the resources he needed in God through his promises, because you need to know the promises of God, I will never leave you nor forsake you, I, I am with you until the end of the age, you are the head and not the tail, you will not be harmed, no weapon formed against you will prosper, those are the things that you claim or you are established in the time of trial, through those things, if they don't sit as true, if they don't ring as true and sit at the bottom of your soul, in the very depths of what you believe, then you will not go through. And going through is a necessary prerequisite to being anything in this life. Anything, which means that your calling, your purpose will not be met if you don't go through. And to go through, you must appeal to a divine power in his promises um, those who are called, um, knowledge of him, who called us, those who are called to his glory and goodness need to appeal to his power. And they need to also ground themselves in the precious promises that he's given us so that we may participate in a divine nature, an almost supernatural nature, which is our nature anyway. We are spirit beings in a body. So we, we must retain that connection, that divine connection with God in order to fulfill our purposes and our calling in God. Having escaped the corruption in the world, remember I told you the baggage that has to go, even as we are carrying the cross, we're saying some things have gone, have got to go. They have got to actually be removed from our lives. So we escape the corruption of this world caused by evil desires right 
So there will be a process of purging. The process is difficult, but it's also a necessary process. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for distaste, to give you a future and a hope. The plans of God are to give us a future and a hope. And that future can even be the eternal future. It doesn't mean that you're going to be boiling here on earth. That may not even happen. But at the end of it all, in final retrospect, it will be the guarantee of your future is that you comply with the plans that God has for you. If you want to get a guaranteed destructive future, a guaranteed um, dark future that has no promise, it is when you derail from the plans of God. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we are created as masterpiece. You know, a masterpiece art, a piece of art by Van Gogh or whoever. Those uh, Michelangelo, these masterpieces are priceless right now. And that's what you are. You're priceless. In God's eyes, you're priceless until he had to die for you to that extent. So has he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we have a new nature in Christ Jesus. So we can do those things. Remember, in, we've just seen you need to take up a divine nature to do those things that he planned for us long ago. Your spirit man needs to be honed, needs to be nurtured, needs to come out and transcend your human Form, your human frame, your carnality, your natural way of thinking. I cannot do this. This is not possible. What will my parents say? What will my friends do? How am I going to pay the bills? You know, you need to go beyond that and come into the place where God is, that glorious place where God sits. In your spirit, man, you will find it. But in your flesh, you will not find it. As for God, his way is perfect. This is 2 Samuel 22, 31 to 37. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help your shield. You make your saving help my shield. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad place, a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. So that's 2 Samuel 22, 31 to 37. It just shows us that God is the one who sustains us, who enables us, who equips us, who gives us strength, makes us secure. He trains you. He arms you so that you're able to uh, bend a bow. Uh, you, I mean, he gives you strength. He trains you for battle so that your arms can bend a bow of bronze, which means nothing is too difficult. Nothing is beyond God. He's the one who gives you the capacity, the capability, the wisdom, the physical strength. And the knowledge, even even the strength, the mental strength to handle the shock of life. He's the one that gives us the capacity to do that. You make your saving help my shield. This is referring to God. God makes 
his saving help, the shield of this writer. So our saving help comes from God. He helps us and he makes us great. That is so important. It is God who makes you great. He's the one who helps you. That help that he gives you is what makes you great. You cannot depend on the arm of flesh. And he's the one who provides a broad path for your feet so that your ankles do not give way. In other words, he's the one who makes a way for you to walk on, to operate on. He creates that ability and the opportunity for you, that window, so that you are sort of living in your own cosmos. The things may seem like they're going wrong all over the place because of COVID or whatever is going on. The externalities may rule and say a different story, but for you, because it is God who is your help, he will provide a broad path for your feet so that your ankles don't give way. So may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. That's Psalms 90.17. So do take care. I'm going to um, end it at this. Remember that God has given you everything you need to live out a godly life, even according to the plans and purposes that he has for you. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye for now.